This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hello, and welcome back to the Not So Fit Couple podcast with your hosts, Lucy Halden. And Benjamin Halden. I'm no headphones today. Why? Because we're going to London later to be on a TV interview and I'm going to get that weird thing where it does this on your head. I didn't want that. And I, I thought, do that. I thought my head, what do you mean? It is a bit weird actually. If they're not wearing headphones, it'd freak me out. I quite like it. But I don't want to get no. the only girls can relate to that where you get a, you get a fucking... Yeah, but I've got a mohawk now as well. On, you do have the mohawk. It's fully mohawking. When Ben first said he was getting a mohawk, I thought absolutely not because you know who it reminded me of? You know on Stranger Things... Like the older brother Which who one? has like a big, he can like more tight in a bubble. That's a mullet though, not a mullet. That's a difference. Yeah. I thought Ben was going to get a mullet. No. Not, not that I have anything against a mullet, someone with a mullet. I just didn't think Meg, you, Meg was, you would suit a mullet as much. Meg was um, an advocate of the mullet. Was she? She was trying to sway me into the decision, yeah. You could tighten a little bubble. No, not, not about her. Yeah, the, the, the bullet. The mullet is not for you. What what did what two words did I cross then? What's yours called? Mullet and the bullet you did. No, but what's yours called? Mohawk. No. Mohawk. No, I didn't cross mm. anything. <laughs> Continue. This week's episode, we're going to be speaking about mental resilience in a modern world. The reason for that is me and Lucy went to Neston High School. Pardon me. That was gross. This is the thing with <laughs> saying that's gross. His, I was even listening to Chris Williamson's podcast the other day. I can smell it. That's people, why it's gross. People were, people were moaning about him taking a sip of water because they could hear him take a sip of water. He was like, I've got to fucking live. I need to drink and yeah. breathe to be alive over no. an hour to three hour podcast. I sorry, I also meant the smell of monster hit me like a whiff. Someone said to us last week, Oh, you were really like breathing really heavy. Yeah, that was true, to be fair. Was it? Yeah. Sorry. It wasn't that we were breathing wasn't wasn't that we were breathing heavy, is that or audio was like turned up so you could hear us breathing super oh, loud. Sorry, that it actually is awful. You can hear someone really breathing quite heavily. But I thought We've, it was just we a changed <laughs> both those audios on Spotify and Apple, it was just YouTube that we couldn't change because we are professionals and we don't want to get a one-star review for uh, breathing down the microphone. Happens to your voice? <clears throat> I got a bubble stuck in my throat. Hmm. So we went to Neston High School anyway the other day and we did a pre- pre- presentation to, I think it was year 11 students. They were like 15, 16. For, or on mental resilience. And it was very, very well received. It was actually one of those things, I, I finished the presentation and walked out feeling unbelievable i think when you do those things sometimes and i can see why when teachers work with kids Mm. or i suppose similar to when you do charity work it's it feels very rewarding and that's what it felt like after after that day but we went and did a presentation on it spoke to some of the children a lot around social media which is what we're going to speak about today or criticism or negativity from strangers or comparison uh, and self-criticism which I think probably is not spoke about enough enough in high schools, and I could imagine it's very very difficult for children who are who are growing up in this age with social media and everyone who's currently involved with it as well. Yeah, so we spoke to these 15, 16 year olds, and I always remember when I was in high school. I think I was quite individual because I don't think anyone really related because I was really trying to get the um, 
the high school kid <laughs> like speaking and involved in the presentation because when when someone used to come in so it was PSHE if you remember PSHE I used to love it when people used to come in and speak about different topics I was like I was really just I loved it and also it took away from like normal academia and I really liked that whereas when we went in and we were trying to speak to these 15 16 year olds it was like talking to a blank wall and they just wouldn't they wouldn't ask questions, they wouldn't come back. But I don't know if that's a normal thing with teaching. Whereas I kept trying to ask a question. I just had to keep putting my hand up myself to like answer my own question. Because I was like, guys, it's like, who's ever compared? And no one put the hand up and I'm thinking, yeah, no, you're Lu- all Lucy, lying. Lucy asked the question. So <laughs> how, how many exams does everyone have this year? But no one answered. You went, lots, yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, I went, it was even worse than that. Because I was like, we're, we're, they're in exam season. It's like GCSE. So we don't laugh and it wasn't actually funny. We were talking, to Cal, stop laughing. Anybody? We were talking about, <laughs> you no. really, <laughs> we were talking about exams and motivation to do with their exams and helping them through it. So I asked the audience, there's like 200 kids there staring up at us. And I'm going, like, how many, how many exams have you guys got? <laughs> Expecting someone to be like, oh yeah, like 12. So I went, well, we used to have like 14. Nobody answered. I looked at the teacher and I went, how many exams have they got? He went, I don't know. And I went, lots of exams. And just rolled you know, with it. I do was you know like, what it was like? It was like, do you know if Little Britain was like, dust, anybody? No, <laughs> dust. <laughs> Anybody? No. That's what I was like. Whenever she was asking questions, like this triangle she go but around. That was, that, was only like, that was only one of the questions. It happened like five times. <laughs> I was like, what? I was like, not learn. No, because Carl, I was getting, I, was, I wanted oh, to get them involved engaged, and yeah, engaged. And when I asked the question, who's compared to anyone in their life? No one put their hands up except one of the teachers. I thought, oh, good God. Um, but it was it's really just, just special. Just by the PSHE. What was your PSHE like, Carl? Um, I went to a Catholic school, so it was very intense. Was like, it? Um, like social things around like what the church does in this kind ah, of Ah, okay. Yeah, oh, we didn't have ones like that. See, ours was just an absolute sit-off. Yeah, no, it was. It was a, it was the dot off. You don't. Yeah, want we didn't do anything apart from launch pencils and spit paper at each other. Yeah. Did you respect the teacher in that lesson by any chance? No, but I don't think the teacher was at all about the session either. No. It was a bit of a dot for them yeah, as well. Fa- yeah. No, but we weren't just in the classroom. We were in the assembly hall. Yeah. That's oh, yeah. different. Yeah. That's not. It wasn't just a little PSHE. If someone was coming into our high school to give an assembly talk, oh, I yeah. got invited back to our old high school, and it actually made me really scared because that assembly room was massive. That's like five hundred people in there. That's 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 terrifying. Yeah, there was two hundred people in in this one, wasn't there? Yeah, but the point was, I think it was it was honestly. We walked away from it, and you get this whole sense of that you hope you've helped a few of the kids. And even though nobody answered a single question that I'd asked or said anything throughout the whole hour, after quite a few of them actually did messages on social media and said to the teachers, "Oh, like we really like we really enjoyed it." So it was. It was quite nice to know that we did hit a few kids because I think the age of 15 and 16 is the age that you do want them to learn about, not like, not, not the negative of social media, but the effects of social media and comparison and helping them stay motivated in their exams. I'm glad we at least hit a few, a few students. I think the way that they then communicated is very symbolic of what we we're trying to speak about, which is... We give this presentation, you don't know whether it's been well received or not. And I think this is similar to the presentation that we gave when we were in Manchester University as well, where none of the students were engaging. And it was because a lot of them have been through this period 
of COVID where they were social isolated for such a long time and a lot of them weren't used to socializing in groups or communicating in groups or communicating at all. Um, not that I think that should be an excuse rolled forward, but I think it's definitely a part on top of social media. Um, but the way that they then communicate communicated or gave feedback afterwards is massively, I guess, representative of what we were speaking about in general, where, whereas no one in the hall at that time gave any feedback or any kind of, um, I suppose, inclination of what they thought of the presentation. But then afterwards, I had lots of DMs from the, the kids from the school, especially a lot mm. of lads saying how much they respected it, how much thankful they were for the presentation, how much they took away from it. Um, so they wouldn't speak to you directly, but they would drop you a direct message, which I think is just very telling of the way that people are socializing in general in those younger age groups and even older age groups as well in terms of people aren't communicating as much anymore, whereas they'll happily send a DM or a message to someone or a WhatsApp. We said as well, isn't it, it must be a crazy time for, I think the age of kids in high school at the moment, the Gen Zs, which I am not as Cal one year, one year pointed out, um, the, but like not 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 the older Gen Zs who are like over twenty. I'm I'm also thinking these are they still Gen Z Cal if they're in high school. Yeah, I think high school now is probably Gen Z. Yeah, those kids have a completely different experience of high school and upbringing and social media than what we did, and we actually spoke about it in the presentation. We had MSN and Bebo and um, Tumblr. If you were cool enough, you're a Tumblr kid. Meg was a Tumblr kid. And now it is so different because a lot of self-worth is based off likes and engagement and you're, you're not getting outside, you're not walking, like you're so fixated on these screens. I can imagine it's really difficult for one parents and two teachers where you're, you're trying to get through to your kids and you can't because social media is so overwhelming. Whereas as millennials, I think when we have kids, because we're so aware of social media and because of the negative effects it can have on people, I will not let my kid go into that. Does that make mm -hmm. sense? Yeah. And not let not them go into it. God, they're, they're going to have social media yeah. and stuff. But I will be really quite harsh on when they have social media, when they can use it, when they've got a phone. I'm like, get outside, enjoy the weather, enjoy life, get off your screens because we, <clears throat> we've, we, we, we're so on it. And it, we know how it affects us as individuals, let alone Gen Zs who are constantly on it. So I think when we have kids, it might do a 360 flip I think because we're all quite aware of it. I think it's just the fear of always being recorded all the time at any point. Yeah, it's just, a few teachers just, said that, didn't it's they? It's just too much. Um, there's too much. I mean, even not just with kids in schools, there's just so much security that you give up a lot of your liberty. And that's just such a... That was a nice sentence. Yeah. It's just, uh, <laughs> it's it? only because I did a module on it in criminology. There University. he is, criminology. Um, I'm going to call you criminology cow, but that's not your name. <laughs> it's definitely not my name, though. Criminology Benjamin. Um, so I think it's difficult. <laughs> and even the, even the teachers were scared of this as well in terms of they know all the time whenever they're dealing with kids, people, kids are recording them, dealing with situations, which yeah. is just so terrible. Because if, if you imagine... Are you in, allowed phones? So this is what I said. I think all everyone I'm should confused. have to hand the, the phones in when they go to school. I think that should be a thing. I can't remember what we did. I don't, our phone, I don't think we, we had, had phones, phones in pocket. We did, I don't yeah. think we did. I think our phones were in our lockers during class. We or like, you would never get your phone out in class. We always had them. Did you have lockers? Um, I can't remember. I had no. sixth form, but not in 
Yeah, but we had our phones on us. Yeah. I think you'd have to give your phone at the start. No. I think you should be able to walk around with your phone. You shouldn't or you should? Shouldn't. Not, not during why, class. Why would you need it? I think at the start of class, put your phone in a box. Yeah, so apparently what a lot of schools do nowadays is they put them in these bags that you're not allowed to open. They have a time lock on them until 3.30pm. But then That's obviously te- if you need to contact your mum, the teachers can put a code in. And get well, I just think That's there's absolutely clever. no reason for the past how many hundreds of years of education you've not needed a fucking phone in your pocket yeah. for the day. You don't, need to, you don't need to contact anyone that bad. Yeah. If we were ever found, like even at high school, if there was a picture taken in our school uniform and it was it was somewhere, you'd get like a detention. You'd get absolutely bollocked by the school if you ever took a picture in your school uniform. What, are you joking? Really? Yeah. If you if it was in school hours, yeah, and it was posted somewhere, yeah. Oh God, no! Absolutely that was not. Not, to do that. not my experience in school at all. That we yeah. were just taking pictures. In, I mean, photographer, I was taking pictures constantly in school. Well, we didn't have our Strange. phones. No, of course. Yeah. yeah. But it is, it's, I was just even thinking in the I've, past, I've like, who no, has their phones? I've got no photos or videos of me when I'm in school. I've got a few mum's taking them, So we mustn't have done much on phones in that era. I've got so many I remember I was just in the area where happy slapping started to come in. Yeah, that was a big... Do you even know what happy slapping was? Is that a slap was? of face or is that a slap of hand? I remember this one. Okay. No, that was the game. Lucy. I think we went to different so kind of Lucy, for, <laughs> Lucy, for anyone who's who's not uh, watching the video version, it's talking about the one where you stand face-to-face with someone and you do the... Uh, Slap each other's hands. You have to try and pull it away. We're not playing on Alex. Just one go. Oh, you... (laughs) I hadn't even started yet. I was going to do three, two, one. (laughs) Sorry, I just... Yeah, we did like thumb war and stuff at our school. We weren't... We didn't slap people in the face. No, so happy slapping was essentially where you jumped somebody and filmed it. No, no. You just walked up and basically slapped them on the phone, yeah. No, 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 no. It was not a nice thing, but... um, Yeah, I I just... I don't see the reason why you need the phone, but it's it's obviously an awkward thing. We... uh, I think there's a big good task... We spoke about maybe not doing it at the start, but I think for people to have some reference behind it, if you've got new listeners, give them the intro that you gave to the students. Not the not the, the first intro, which was ah. talking about who Lucy is as a social media star. Give them the introduction of Lucy, who started off as a swimmer and your journey. Yeah, I think it was a very clever thing to do as well when we did the presentation. Um so we first told them about all our accolades and successes and business and social media and things like that. And then we explained who we really are. Now, I explained that I'm someone who deals with anxiety most weeks. It used to be most days for years and years and years of my life. I am someone who left competitive swimming and I failed and I didn't reach the ambitions that I wanted to achieve. So I felt like I was a complete failure I was someone who was riddled with an eating disorder as soon as I stopped swimming when I was 18 up to about the age of 23, which is a really long time and it felt it felt overpowering. I'm someone who is a perfectionist and I put so much pressure on myself to be perfect and to always be achieving more than more than I can even achieve in humanly possible. And I struggle with those things every single day. And it's not necessarily something you can see it through social media if you follow me, especially on YouTube. But it isn't something that I share every single second of every single day because sometimes you just need to be a bit mentally strong and mentally tough. And there's a lot going on. January for the three of us and my coach and the business has been probably, all three of us can vouch for it, the most stressful month ever. Like it's just been so intense. And a lot of things you just see behind the scenes. And what we were trying to explain to these kids is that Instagram and social media can absolutely be a highlight reel. And that was the point we were getting across. Mm-hmm. 
Okay, I'm going to give you my intro that I gave to the kids at school. Just again, for I think it's important that it, this is almost like your Eminem rap battle. Yeah. Phase three from the movie where you tell them all the shit stuff so that everyone knows who you are laid mm-hmm. on a table and there can never be anything else that comes up. And I also think it's it's kind of the, the part of the iceberg that's below the wall that nobody sees, which raises the, your, the top of the iceberg. Um, so I'm just going to actually read off mine because I've mm-hmm. got it here from my notes. So... I started off working for the police, both for Cheshire and Merseyside, as a constable and as a PCSO. I did a degree in criminology. I did some further policing qualifications. Then after three years or four years of being in the police, I became pretty miserable. I was bullied. I was taking steroids. And I came back into the office working for the police, feeling like one of the biggest hypocrites and frauds that there was, just because... I was miserable, anxious, and taking drugs whilst working for the police. I knew something that needed to change. I got into the police because I wanted to help people. And I truly always have been and have gotten high from helping others and giving back, which I think is why I wanted to move into Korean fitness. I rewind back a little bit before that, before joining the police, when I told my dad I wanted to become a personal trainer. I was excited, something that I was always wanting to do. I loved fitness and I remember the car journey where I was telling my dad, I want to be a personal trainer, but I can't wait to do this. And the one thing that he just turned to me as we at the traffic lights and said is, don't be a tosser, which I think ultimately led me down the path of the policing route of doing something that offered security, a salary, a pension. And that was the thing for me, it was it was a, a hole I'd never really wanted to go down just because I think personal training was so new. And the the main point of this story is that I was doing something that I was doing an okay job of it. But the main thing that I want people to take from this was that if you're doing something now and you hate it and you're pretty good at it, imagine how good you could be at something that you actually enjoy doing. I think that's the biggest takeaway for most people. Um especially if you don't know what you want to do, especially if you're maybe not someone who's in education or you're doing something now where you're not super qualified. I was never at the top of my classes or education. It wasn't my thing. And it doesn't matter because if there's anything the modern world has proven, success is not solely based on intelligence or looks or genetics. I have found that if you simply never quit something, you can never fail. And that was kind of my intro that I'd given because I'm sure a lot of people feel this way that they are Mr. Average. You know, I'm just average at this and I'm average at this and I'm not the best looking and I've got no skill. I've got no kind of party trick and you don't need to. I think think something that's way more powerful than a party trick is resilience, determination, hard work, showing up. Consistency is your party skill. Consistency is so powerful. I think as well, like having quite a lot of patience because whatever you're doing, when you start something new, it is going to take a lot of patience because nothing will happen straight away. Whether success is based on many different metrics, it's how you define success of what that would be, whether it's monetary, whether it's happiness, whether it's materialistic, whether it's meeting people, whether it's community, whatever it is, my definition of success has changed over the years by far. At the start, I did think it was monetary and it's not at all. Success to me is based around our community and growing our community to me is the most powerful and happiest 
thing to, to of how I any anyway Percy would base success. But people, as well as being consistent, you can be consistent for one year, two years, but you need to be patient for three years, four years, five years, because it's it's hard graft sometimes to stay consistent, but being patient and allowing what what's happening on a day-to-day basis to happen. It, it's I don't know how to explain that better than I already have, but having patience is, I think, even more powerful than just having consistency because you could be consistent, but if you're getting pissed off every single day and you're basing your your life or self-worth of likes, engagement, who you are, just be a little bit more patient. I think it's a valuable piece of advice. We've had this conversation before. It's very easy to look at other people and question why you haven't been successful and then look at other people's methods of how they've been successful and go, oh, I'm going to implement that. That is the the biggest indicator that you lack patience because the reason why that person's successful is not due to their methods. It's not due to the, the way that they've gotten success. It's due to them and Who being consistent. Are. And this is why we will say that the superpower that you do have is that you're you. No one can be as good a version you ever can be. No one's going to replicate or duplicate that. And just exactly the same the other way around is you can never be as good at being Tiger Woods as Tiger Woods could be. Mm. You can never be as good as Michael Jordan as Michael Jordan can be. This, whoever you want to name, you're never going to be a good version of them. So stop trying to copy and be the second best. But what we spoke about as well is comparison. Because comparison is a really, really difficult thing. And Before every we, we skip person... ahead a chunk of what's on that I want to speak about. Oh. So the, <laughs> the thing that, I, the, the other thing we, we brought up, and I know this is probably difficult for kids to think about, but it's something that I think about regularly. Are kids? Do we refer to them as kids? 15, 16, yeah, teenagers? Definitely kids. Kids. Is, um, is speaking about death. I think death can be a really positive thing to think and talk about. I know when you're 15, 16, it was probably the last thing that I spoke about or thought about. Uh, But I think it just gives you food for thought and potentially makes you do things in life because you know ultimately there's going to be an end. And I started off talking about this bit with a quote. And this is one of my favorite quotes. And I'll also explain why. It's by Alex Hormozzi. At your funeral, friends and family will argue over who gets what. People will want food to eat. The topic will shift from your life to their lives. They'll drive away thinking about their looming to-do list. Some people won't be able to make it because something came up. And the thing why I feel that's important is because we worry about so many trivial things, like the social media posts that got no likes or what the person sitting next to you think, whether they think you're skinny or fat or out of shape in that t-shirt or in those pants, or if the girl or guy that you like thinks you're a bit of a weirdo. And at the end of the day, nobody will ever remember the time that you fell over or the time that you got rejected or the post that you put up that got no likes. Because do you know who cares more about your problems than anybody else? Is you. You are the one who creates the problem and or gives that problem weight a little bit like a stone. If you never pick that stone up, you will never have to bear the weight of it. I think if you can view problems in that way, it will definitely help in the way that you view problems, but also the way that you deal and find solutions for them as well. I think that quote 
really gives me perspective of when I fuck something up and I'm thinking everybody thinks I'm a wanker because most of the time you want to try and avoid looking stupid in front of other people. We spoke about this again before is because if you did something wrong, if there's no one around you, you don't really care or nobody knows about you don't care. The weight comes from the fear of other people. And again, that just proves that how fickle people are. But that's also why when we did the New Year Challenge this year, we did call it flexural failure. Mm. And that's because it's a really important thing to do in life is fail. And an even better thing to do is to share those failures and be open about it. And what happens when you share a failure, people will also share theirs and people will give you advice. If you've failed in business or training or personal life, relationships, whatever it is, if you share that with other people, more than likely they'll be able to help you and give you a certain element of advice, which you wouldn't have got if you if you weren't open about mm-hmm. it. And that is the reason we did run the January challenge more so as it's actually okay to fail and you can seize a lot of opportunities from it. Um, but yeah, we did we did speak quite heavily on comparison, didn't we? Because yeah. this isn't even just based at like speaking to high school kids, it's every single person. So this is the question that I took to the floor who has compared to someone ever in their life. And nobody put the hand up and I thought I'm going to, ask, I actually did. Decide, I'm, I'm going to ask it again because that is, that's ridiculous because if, no, if none of you've ever compared, you must feel like on cloud nine, 24 seven. And then every single person basically in that room, including the teachers also put the hand up. And obviously you've got the famous quote, comparison is the thief of joy. And when you actually think about that quote deeply, it's very, very true. Because if you're so concerned with what other people are doing, what other people are focusing on, other people's successes, other people's money, other people's cars, materialistic, however the route you want to go down, or their job, um, social media and numbers and things like that, it takes away from the joy of your life and how you feel on a day-to-day basis. But what happens when you're so fixated on those other people and whatever they're achieving and whatever they're doing, you will more than likely be a little bit unhappier. So when you're unhappy, well, you're not going to be as productive. You're not going to look at your goals as as much in terms of growth. They'll be quite fixed. These things, when you're looking at other people, they really affect you. I went through a bit of a weird spell a couple of months ago, looking at people on social media who I, who I deemed, they're doing better than me. I've muted all all of them. And these are actually some people who I get along really well with. And I just honestly, they're still muted now. I probably need to unmute them because I feel sound. Is that why you never see any of my posts? Yeah, that's why I don't see Ben's posts. That's why I don't engage in any of them. No, there's, there's certain people who I just thought, you know what? I don't know what it is at the moment. I can't absorb that content and that is fine. I don't need to unfollow them, but you can mute them where their posts don't pop up and their stories don't pop up. And I thought, you know what? They're doing amazing. But I'm in this weird thing of I'm I'm comparing a lot to it, whether it's to numbers or what they're doing. And I'm just going to mute it for a little bit. Nothing against the person. I, God, I, th- I think probably loads of people might have muted me. You can't be offended by that. Let people go through their own thing. But I think that's a really powerful tool that social media in general has introduced. I know it's on Instagram. I don't know if it's on TikTok or whatever. I don't use TikTok as much. But it, it was introduced on Instagram. So you can mute certain people. And then when you're ready, you can unmute them. You don't need to. It just means you don't see their content. And it means you can focus more on your fucking self. Like you don't need to be looking at other people's content. Yeah. It's making you feel a certain type of way. This is the thing with jealousy as well as jealousy isn't a negative emotion. We get told that it's negative all the time when it's not. 
But the question I would ask yourself is, do you want to be better or do you want to be better than your neighbor? Because if it's a second, then that's when you need to start asking yourself questions of where comparison comes in because you don't just want to be better than you today. You want to be better than the person that's standing next to you. And then that, what that brings on is, are you living the life that you want to live or are you living the life that someone else wants you to live? Mm. And that's where it can become a problem. But jealousy in itself isn't an issue. We all get jealous. We all have feelings of jealousy. It only becomes an issue of when jealousy is involved and you take action on it. So I can be jealous of you, but not use that in spite and treat you with jealousy. And that's when things start to become difficult and start to become a bit of a a bit of a taboo topic because you're then treating someone in light of that that jealousy, which has nothing to do with them and isn't their fault at the end of the day. Yeah, and it's I I'm a I'm a well jealous person. Oh good God. I <laughs> me and Ben openly have to, to speak about how how jealous I get and it's not even a negative thing because you don't act on it. It's just open conversation. I think jealousy is very especially with social media nowadays, have those conversations with your friends, with your partners or whoever it is. But what I always do, if I'm feeling like a little bit of jealousy, I don't, I'm not like negative around that thought process. If I was comparing someone, I, I guess in my head, I kind of twist it and I take inspiration from them. And I think I don't look at what they've got and what I've not got. I look at the amazing accolades that they've achieved and take mass amounts of inspiration from it. There's so many businesswomen that I look up to and it's not, I'm not, I might be jealous of the position that they're in, but I'm thinking, oh my God, that is absolutely incredible. I hope to be there. I have a look at what they've done. I have a look at what they've achieved and I think, okay, do you know what? I can really do that. So it's using it in a way that is beneficial to you. And I think that is having a growth mindset. That's not having a fixed mindset where you kind of just see the end. It's looking for other people for inspiration. And you can do it with fitness, fitness goals. There'll always be people, the elite of the elite, who are so fast, so strong, amazing, have these amazing bodies or whatever it is. Take inspiration from it because they're not you. And as a human, you're so unique. Yeah, the way that you can also get around that is by unfollowing people or going onto pages and deactivating or, or muting them or avoiding certain people. Because if you have a conversation with someone or if you go to someone's page and from that experience, you leave worse off than mm. better off, then you probably need to do something about it. Mm. And that's the best way I could, I suppose, approach that situation is ask yourself that question. Do you leave better off or worse off? easiest way to look at it um we we spoke quite a lot about motivation as well i don't want to go over that too much just because yeah, we did it we did a full-on send full podcast i know a lot of people love that motivation. but I, I did want to speak about that was this year by the way guys if you want to listen to that podcast it was the first one that came out mm -hmm. in 2024 so go back because honestly we did go a bit ham in that podcast i think that's why it was so well received because we were very very transparent also you know, one thing was really hard to, to, to me and ben you sometimes use swear words as adjectives. Um, you might have noticed the one thing the teachers said to us, because a lot of them follow us on socials, don't they? They said, can you please just make sure you don't swear during your presentation? And sometimes I get very passionate and I'm like, this is fucking incredible. And that's quite a nice adjective for me to use. Sometimes it just slips out. We didn't swear once. In that presentation, did we? To be fair, I think we would have never been asked to come back again. So it was. Ben said, "Do or die." You said, "Toss." 
Tosser. Tosser. Ben, is it not? Tosser. No, come on. Okay, that's I not. I tried to keep it as tame as possible. Yeah. But yeah, that was, sorry, that was one of the things I was saying. The motivation yeah. podcast, you might get a little bit of swearing in that one because we were so passionate about what we were talking about. Um, but yeah, no, we didn't actually, didn't have potty mouth in the presentation. Yeah. The the one thing I wanted to speak about as well is the pill that everyone needs, uh, which is around the positive and negative effects of exercise for your mental resilience. Mm. I think we speak about a lot how it can be a big pillar in your mental health and your mindset and creating more resilience. I don't think there's any tool that's as good as exercise and doing that although working out and exercise can be can have the opposite effect on our mental health it can also be a rabbit hole and do the opposing this is why we kind of need to be careful so although we'll speak about it massively as a positive it helps create mental resilience you just got to be careful about how it can seep into your life and have a negative effect which was it does for a lot of people in the fitness industry you'll find a lot of people who will suffer from body dysmorphia from poor relationships with foods to eating disorders to self-criticism, negativity bias. These little things and these little cracks are things that will show, but not until they're further developed. So I actually found this out a rather rough way, obviously many years ago through comparison, it got to the point where I developed an eating disorder myself. Um, And this all became, or this all sort of, I suppose, rooted from the way that I looked and compare myself to other people on social media, seeking perfection, which again, doesn't exist and wanting to lose more weight, lose that last little bit of belly fat, you know, from the bottom of your stomach that you sometimes grab. I was fixated on that. And I think a lot of people are as well. And something that you've got to be careful of. Um, and something that more and more people are probably exposed to. Um, but yeah, the, the rabbit hole is something we need to be careful of because I think you can fall down it quite easily in being super negative about your body and telling you yourself that you look a certain way. And I think it's hard to change that. But one of the, the best ways to do it is the um, downward gratitude, which we spoke about before, which we often do this other thing, which is called the upward social comparison, which is where, like you spoke about before, mm. you're always looking up the ladder, always comparing to other people, um, telling yourself that you're not good enough, we all do it. I do it on social media sometimes. Yeah, and everyone I really get frustrated does it. with it. If I've got events, I'll be looking at other people's times or looking at the way that someone else looks. And it's easy to slip back into those things as hard as you were to create a foundation for yourself. We're all human. We all do it. It's not a, it's not a negative. It's it's something that's deeply rooted within us in our, um, our evolution to look around, look at, look at other people. Just on that as well, I think that's a really important point to make that we still do it. So there'll be people who look at us and it's jealousy or it's comparison, it's exact same. We look up, we look at, at other people. Like, it, do you know what I mean? It's, we're trying to be as open and honest and transparent about this as possible because no matter how big you get on social media or successes or whatever it is, you're then looking at the next success or the next big thing. And it's really, really important to remember that, that I think some people might be sat there listening thinking, well, I compare to you guys and it's, well, that's okay, but let's use it as opportunity and inspiration and take knowledge from it because me and Ben still do the same thing. I don't think that many people are open about it as much, which is why the podcast is so great because we get the opportunity to share exactly how we feel. And obviously, hopefully you guys listen, it might help some of you. Yeah, it's, 
it's something that never goes like work on your mental health isn't a, a tick box thing and done it's something that you've got to constantly work on and even even to that degree as well you might not be someone who compares to other people but i think what people often do as well as they compare themselves to previous versions of themselves so if you're i don't know a mum or a dad and you now don't have as much time as you used to to train or your body's changed through birth or life and work and stress and things like that is if you're holding yourself to the same standards that you used to do when you had way more time and way less stress and no bills and no kids that is also can be a detriment to your to your own mental state so just be careful about your body's going to change certain periods of your life just try and be the best version of yourself that you can today and do the things the version of you tomorrow would want you to do today and try and not reflect too much on the perfect ideal. You might even beat that that position that you were many years ago that you can pay yourself to now. It might just not be the right time in your life to do that and that time might come. So I think that's an important thing to, to realize. Well, and that comes from having downward gratitude of you've, you're alive today. You can go and exercise. You can go and train. You might be injury free. You might be feeling like you have a good day today. You've got time to train. You've got food in the fridge to eat. Like these small little downwards gratitudes that you can have that other people might not have just can be really beneficial in realizing that the problems you're internalizing are very, very small. Yeah. I think you need to work quite hard on downwards gratitude as well. I used to not be very good at it. But then since I've been back from Nepal, my downwards gratitude, I can't even explain to you how intense it is on like a day-to-day basis. Even when like having heating, um, certain stuff really like throws me off now, but I was kind of in an extreme environment to be able to experience that downward gratitude. So I know how hard it is to put yourself in a position to be, like if you're on a run, to have downward gratitude, because you might think, well, I'm like, I'm on a run, but you're on a run. Like you're outside in this, gorgeous weather at the moment it's very crisp minus the storm yesterday it's very crisp you're running outside running isn't accessible to every single person on the planet and you just you just take a moment and you think wow do you know what this is absolutely fantastic i'm going to absorb this moment or having a coffee in the morning just sit sit sat down having a coffee it's trying to put things into perspective which is as i said it is very hard to do if you don't have as much or anything to get that downward gratitude from, which is why I think on a day-to-day basis, you do have to work on things like that. I think it's really, really important. Yeah, I think it is. This is the que- the question I was going to ask you as well is, do you, slightly, slight tangent, do you think you can be working on your own self-development and be satisfied slash happy? Yeah, I think you can be because you should be happy that you're working on yourself. I, I mean, you might not be happy all the time because of, I think you should always be working on self-development though, but I'm that type of person. Not every single person will be proactive with their mental health, proactive with self-development, proactive with having a growth mindset. Some people are just not that. Whereas because I am, doing those things makes me happy. So I think they kind of play mm-hmm. into each other a little bit because if you're working on yourself it's like maybe it, happy is the wrong word satisfied are we ever satisfied I don't know if we're ever satisfied there's always something that I want to be doing there's always more there's always something that's next that's bigger that's better but am I satisfied with goals that I achieved in 2023 yeah pretty satisfied but fuck me there's so much more I want to do in 2024 so it's really hard as I said there's all but I'm also that type of person where 
once something's ticked off, I'm already thinking, okay, what's the next thing? And that is something I have to wholly work on, on a weekly basis and, and applaud myself for the smaller goals because I'm so fixated on what's bigger and better. Like I said, at the start, I put so much pressure on myself to be the best. Nobody can be the best, but here I am still trying to do it on a day-to-day basis. Um, and I cause myself a lot of stress. Yeah, the, the only reason I reflect on that is because the pursuit of self-development is realizing that you have weaknesses that you're trying to get better at or you're trying to be better at something, which then I don't know if you can be completely... It's, I think it's a difficult difficult really realm to, to maneuver. And I just re- reflect on it sometimes of that if you do too much self-development, you never have time to just be. Mm. Like if you're always looking to develop or you're ever just enjoying the current moment. I find myself getting stuck in it sometimes where I have to go, no, Ben, you, you, you don't need to listen to another podcast on, I don't know, whatever self-development might be of fucking nutrition or sleep or mental health or resilience or whatever it might be. It can just be me listening to or watching Disney news for the day or listening to my favorite songs for the day rather than another opportunity to try and squeeze a little bit more self-development in there to be a little bit better, which can sometimes make the whole process harder anyway and I get fed up with it. Yeah, but that's that whole thing about when people have like a three-hour morning routine. I get up, have a coffee, read. That is my self-development in a nutshell at the moment. And it's just, it's not a lot, but sitting there having a coffee and reading my book. But my books are self-development. So that's where I get my self-development. That's the, to be fair, (laughs) when you just said that then, that is the only place I get self-development because I am trying to be more in the moment. But since Nepal, I have down gratitude every single day. So I guess that is still proactively working on on my um, self-development in, in a slightly different way. Yeah, so some, sometimes with your morning routines, and we spoke about before, and I'm a big advocate of having a morning routine. Obviously, just don't make it too fluffy. But sometimes all you're doing with a long morning routine is creating more work before you do the work. It's a bit too stressful. Yeah, which is more procrastination. Um, Anyway, you cannot be happy and unhappy at the same time. Mm. I find, I don't know, I can't absorb quotes like that. Like I don't understand that quote. Something that was spoken to us directly on a podcast. I can't get my brain around it. You can't be happy. Mo said it to us. unhappy. But so, do you want I can't process a quote like that. No, and you can't understand what, something What in he your was head. basically saying is that you can't hold two opposing thoughts at the same time. But I feel like... You, you can't be hot and cold. But you can... Th- I find that really hard because you can think two things about a situation. You can think two things, but thinking and feeling and emotion is, is different. Oh, yeah. The feeling of happiness is different for sure than feeling sad. Like the way it makes you feel. Yeah, so you do understand it then? I do understand it. I just needed a description. <laughs> the, the, the reason why it's powerful is because if you find yourself in that situation, then it's just trying to immediately put yourself in a happy situation as soon as possible because the feeling of happiness is simply the absence of unhappiness. Yeah. So, again, negativity bias. Why is life so unfair? Why is it so difficult? It's about flipping that switch sometimes. And one of the things I've actually found very useful is this book. Look how small it is. It's only a small, but I actually thought it was going to be like the Bible when I first bought it. Show how thick it is from the side. I can't. Carl's focus on Lucy. Oh. <laughs> it's this tiny little book. Uh, I thought it was going to be like the Bible when I bought it. It's called Make Your Bed. Little things that can change your life and maybe the world. So I've been reading this sometimes in the morning and I really like it because the chapters are about five minutes long. But I'm a big fan of kind of downwards gratitude. And this gives me a lot of downwards gratitude after seeing what this guy has been through. 
William H. McRaven. And it's about some of his stories, the things that he's been through, the training that he's been through. And for me, because High Rock training is quite intense at the moment, when I have to go and do a session, I'm like, that's nothing. Mm. I've just read the chapter on Hell Week. What I'm doing now is diddly shit. Compared he's to a Navy SEAL, by the way. Yeah, he's a Navy SEAL. So obviously, like, super hard. But, like, if you enjoy reading about these kind of things and you need something to kind of give you perspective on what you're doing, I'm not saying that you should go, oh, because he's got it hard, or this person's in pain, that I can never complain. That's not what I'm saying. But um, I'll just read you the end of this chapter four. Um, I think this is one of the ones that I enjoyed anyway. It's easy to blame your lot in life on some outside force. So stop trying because you believe fate is against you. It is easy to think that where you were raised, how your parents treated you, or what school you went to is all that determined your future. Nothing could be further from the truth. The common people and the great men and women are all defined by how they deal with life's unfairness. Helen Keller, Nelson Mandela, Stephen Hawking, Mala Yousafzai... Then I've got that one right. And Moki Martin. Sometimes no matter how hard you try, no matter how good you are, you still end up as a sugar cookie. Don't complain. Don't blame it on your misfortune. Stand tall. Look to the future and drive on. So in that chapter, it talks about being a sugar cookie. Sugar cookie. Which isn't about being like a snowflake. It was something that they did in SEAL training where they get inspected, you know, for like belts, shoes, polish, Mm. ironing straight um, jacket, straight bed. And on the inspection, they would pick out the smallest detail within it. And if they found something on you, you would then be sent to the beach, get in the water, be soaking wet. And then you would have to lie in the sand and put all sand all down your jacket, all in your boots, make sure it was in all your pockets everywhere. So you would then be called a sugar cookie because you were a coated cookie, essentially. That's what you'd look like. And you'd have to spend all day in that same uniform or like 24 hours you'd sleep in it all the sand in you and you were a sugar cookie for 24 hours he said it was the most horrible experience ever but the thing is he said it didn't matter if you had everything perfect the trainers would make something up and find something on you that didn't even exist and put you through hell anyway just so that you knew what it felt like to have like an unfair uh, circumstances or an unfair um punishment which is people face unfairness all the time so it was really good for getting them used to basically life isn't fair and you're gonna have to put up with shit anyway and crack on and keep moving forward and that like really hit me with with something because i often moan about the trivial things sometimes and like this isn't fair or that isn't fair and whatever and i think we all do it but sometimes in life you just have to face that unfairness i think that's a the thinking of because they are quite extreme. Thinking of the Navy SEALs is a really hard thing to do. It's like, I read David Goggins' book and I was like, whoa. And it doesn't work for everyone looking at those sort of people. I did 30 minutes of marine training. 30 minutes. And I I saw the light. And he did the same thing, actually, Kyle, didn't he? He was like, Sam was miscounting all my reps when yeah. I was counting and yeah. he was moving further away. And I was getting so upset and angry because I was like, I'm, I'm doing, like, I'm literally, like, you're, che- like, you're cheating. Whereas I had to pull myself back and not, because you th- they're, they're doing it for a purpose. So the Navy said, I've got a lot yeah. of respect for anybody like that. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, some people start like a, with unfairness and equality in life. Um, uh, and start like behind other people's base. You might be starting at first base and someone else is starting at base three because they've had privileges. But at some point in life, you've just got to play the card that you've dealt. 
And I always think that if if someone's had it worse but done it better, then there's the evidence that you need to continue to do what you're doing and try and show up, even if circumstances are unfair. Yeah, I think it's it's definitely a hard pill to swallow when everyone has their own things going on, but then it's finding your thing that helps motivate you. And it'll be different for every single person. I guess ours are quite extreme, looking at like Navy SEALs and looking mm. at all this and doing every space camp, getting down with gratitude. It's it's all quite, but it but that doesn't matter because it's it's individual to the person. It's unique to you as individuals. So do whatever makes you feel that way. And you'll know when you find it, there'll be a multitude of things that mm-hmm. you can possibly do for it. But fingers crossed what we've spoken about today, whether it has motivated you, whether it has given you a kick up the arse, whether it's just made you feel something, mm-hmm. whatever it is, we just hope it's made you feel a certain type of way to get up and just keep going and get after it. Yeah. And if you've got any questions on this or any comments, please feel free to drop them either on the YouTube channel or can people drop questions on Spotify, Carl? Nope. But we'll add a comment, uh, sorry, a, a question and answer box. Just asking what your thoughts on the, on the topics today. Cool. We've got a really cool guest lined up very shortly. Yeah, we do. Who will be interviewing. I think that'll be kind of based on what we've ended on today. Mm. Um, Absolutely. A lot around mental resilience and... I'm not going to give too much away. Yeah, don't give it away. It'll be a very, very good episode, which I'm sure you will all thoroughly enjoy. Please keep subscribing and sharing the podcast, whether it's on Instagram, TikTok, whatever it is, giving us reviews, because it honestly means so much to us. It helps us get the best guests on. It helps us move forward with the podcast and it to be the very best for you listening at home. And we'll catch you next week. Bye, guys. Bye.